Sweet. Recording in progress. Welcome everybody to <laughs> a seamless introduction. Yes, the Zoom tells you now when the, the recording oh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, do, uh, should I do a little intro on, I mean, I know we're recording, but uh, just on me not being at Silversound anymore? Oh, matter, yeah. Do you think? I think so, yeah. Have we started recording? Will I do the spiel? Uh, yeah, do the spiel. <laughs> we can always edit this out. No, let's leave it in. <laughs> Bonus content. We're pulling the Judd Apatow and sh leaving it all in. And welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills, my skills, John's skills as a guitar player. Uh, my name is Dylan. With me always is my co-host, John. John, how are yeah, you? Hello. Doing great. How are you doing? Good, man. Yeah, we should discuss, as, as mentioned up top, uh, you for how many years were the head of a guitar school or a music school? In uh, five. Five. Five years, goodness yeah. gracious. And I've been teaching for almost 20. It's not quite wow. 20. Yeah, I'm an old man. But, yeah. but looking more youthful and radiant <laughs> than ever. I don't know how to respond to that. Um, and you recently um, sold out. No, I'm joking. You <laughs> basically, the, uh, the hectic I did. schedule. I did. Yeah, I, I hectic sold. schedule of guitar teaching just caught up with you. And you were like, I'm out, which I totally respect. No, I uh, I ended up selling the selling my portion of the business to my business partner Mark, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, a lot of it was just kind of family stuff and figuring that out. So it doesn't mean I love guitar any less. It just means I've got other things to figure out in life. So life happens, as you know, since you're in the middle of moving house and leaving the country. the country. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, but more exciting stuff later. Yes, yeah. John has uh, a wife and three uh, beautiful boys. Um, <laughs> you know, little peek behind the curtain there. So yeah, yeah, we we have we have personal lives outside of this. This isn't our full time gig. Yeah, um, yeah. Thankfully, because anyway, it does not pay enough. <laughs> yeah, if this is your first time listening to this, this is probably not the episode <laughs> to start. Uh, maybe go back to an earlier one we recently did. Um, six episodes in seven weeks, which we were saying is probably a new record for us. Uh, we're not the most organized or gentlemen, but guitar. What's it all Sorry. about? What do we love? Uh, so we, we, we normally start each episode with a lick of the week, which is a riff or a piece of guitar-related music that we enjoy. And each week one of us picks and the other one has to guess what it is. Now this is, I don't know if you're going to get this, but I, I'd like to think you would, but I don't know if you will. Because if you played this for me, it would have taken me a little bit of time to figure out what it was, but I think I will get it eventually. Um, mm. So without further ado. Okay. <laughs> okay maybe it is a tough one i'd be very surprised i think this is like either you know it or you don't uh, upon yeah, further I, consideration have you any guesses or time periods well it has a bit of that kind of like late 60s early 70s sound to it close yes but i'm not sure that it's actually from that time period you know mm. so um it does kind of have 
sort of an early, I don't know, like an early Genesis vibe to it or an early yes oh. vibe. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's back to Prague with you, man, doesn't it? Uh, sure does. So, <laughs> so this anyway. is the Beatles. This is the Beatles. Oh, okay. Okay. So okay. I was, there was, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, I think it's, I think it's Beatles, but mm. I wasn't, I don't know. I was afraid to say it. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no worries. Uh, no, I totally get it. I, that you, you are forgiven. Um, you can always guess here. This is a safe zone. Um, so this is uh, Andrew Birkin saying it's off Revolver from 1966. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I recently started trying to listen to the Beatles a bit more. Do I do the stereo? Do I do the mono? I do whatever easiest. You know, there's that massive debate about how you're supposed to listen to the Beatles. And I came across this and I'm like, is this, is this like double tracked guitars like harmonized before you know Leonard Skinner and before Thin Lizzy and it turns out that it is these parts wow. were recorded um George Harrison and uh, John recorded these like simultaneously um a third down and harmonizing and I'm like that's really cool like they this is such a groundbreaking album for them because it's the first time you know they used automatic double tracking uh, they started like speeding stuff up and playing it backwards and slowing it down and it was the first time they even used a horn section so Revolver is like a massive album for them and yeah I mean this is also the it was it was like I was listening to I really like this album and it was a toss between this and Taxman which mm. has a great like kind of Indian inspired guitar yeah. solo but I wanted to kind of pick something a little bit more left of center. And also this is a John Lennon song and I am a much bigger Lennon fan than I am a McCartney fan. I love Harrison, mm. but I think yeah. John Lennon, just when it comes to the actual songwriting, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. And I think it's, a, it, there's rumors that it's a bit of the song itself is like a Bob Dylan-esque dig at someone very well known. And in this case, it's rumored to be Frank Sinatra. So Mm. I was digging that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like before Lizzie, before the Allman Brothers, before, you know, this is, they're doing this actual like harmonized guitar thing, which, you know, in the world of music is nothing new, but in terms of like guitar rock, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to hear them doing it because it's not something you'd ever associate with the Beatles. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. I'm not really much of a Beatles fan. Um, okay, that was my next yeah. question. Yeah, that's, that's always been the case. Like, respect, I think, for what they did and when they did it. Um, I think a lot of the, as you mentioned, the speeding things up and slowing things down, like, there were other people that have been doing it at this point mm -hmm. for 20 years, you know? Yeah. So, um, pre-recorded music, the whole music concrets and, and that sort of thing, that, that predates them by a good 10 to 20 years in some cases. So, um I think credit for for how they used it and in the environment they used it in, but they certainly were not. And I think they would say the same thing. They weren't the originators of these techniques. And no. I think they, they get sometimes more credit than they deserve for Ooh. for that. So, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like if you um, if you borrowed a technique from something that's uh, that just no one's really familiar with and you put it into your own idiom, people would be, Eddie Van Halen's a good example. There were a lot of people tapping before Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen made it popular in rock music. Like yeah. that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, so, so that's kind of, that's, uh, I feel like in that sense, the, um, the Beatles kind of get a little more credit than they deserve in some cases. The, I'm a much bigger fan of Harrison than probably any of the others. If I had to pick one, it would be yeah. Harrison. 
Um, I think he's as probably... both a person and a musician. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the best musician out of the group, and I feel like gets almost less credit than Ringo Starr sometimes. <laughs> so... Okay. Yeah. No, I can see that. But no, I love yeah. Well, anyway, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think you look at the interesting thing about the Beatles for me, though, is when you look at them as a whole, they couldn't have happened any other way. I guess no. if that makes sense. The timing on it, they're, they're a classic example of just everything has to be right in order to make something big in the music industry like that. You have mm-hmm. to have the right mix of people. Um, you look at what they did afterwards, and as much as I love George Harrison, his stuff afterwards I think is very creative, but it's almost without the, the restraints that yes. somebody yeah, like yeah. McCartney really pulls in you look at what mccartney did and it's wings and you know the happy little tunes that douglas Mm. adam always jokes about writing a tune and now he owns half of england so the uh (laughs) you know (laughs) so there's there's little things like that where i think it's just what's fascinating is the dynamic how the whole thing comes together that john lennon after the beatles is basically useless as a songwriter um oh I, shots yeah. fired yeah oh, absolutely okay. man plastic that, ono bands like come on no okay no but imagine the album imagine like title track out you know notwithstanding the rest of it is great like phil Spector's production on that album i'm a big fan i'm a big fan but I think again that, you're talking about phil Spector. this is sort of like the sting yeah. syndrome i think like <laughs> surround yourself with amazing Terrible musicians yeah, that's true and uh and then make the best of it because okay. i mean that's that's how i feel about sting like it's not oh, yeah. that he's necessarily a terrible musician but everybody played with throughout his career is better a better musician than him and he certainly That's... learned and took something from it but i feel the same way about john lennon so lennon my, is the my... proto sting yeah i could <laughs> i could rant about sting and probably have done for hours in the past yeah. but my favorite of his most recent musical endeavors is he released a full album of original material with a caribbean um sensation shaggy and they released it together on 420 which you know are reading the room serious yeah yeah yeah. it's like full and it's like totally serious i know anyway and sting aside uh yeah cool i i was like hearing you know it's such a thanks for letting me rant about the beatles (laughs) anytime and yeah i think it's more so if i had to pick a band from that era that i listen to most or certainly appreciate most and i think i mentioned this before probably be the kinks over the Beatles. absolutely i think that i just prefer the songwriting style a lot more and yeah but i think what is really interesting about the beatles is that of all the grand like there's just so many diaries of their recordings like there's just so much documentation on what they did and when exactly they did it because everything was so documented that it that it is really interesting and peter jackson has a film coming out soon about the making of let it be and mm. I'm really interested to see like how that turns out because you know the research is just going to be like state of the art, top of the line, like you know production yeah. value behind that. Anyway, um, moving swiftly on, but also you know, keeping things guitar focused, keeping things you know in on the musical side. Um, so we decided we were like we were thinking of a topic that we would bring it back to like us playing the guitar and what influenced that and what made us the guitar players we are today. And I came up with the topic of like guitar albums that are like, you know, we would consider essential mm-hmm. and both in our playing and also recommendations that people should take with them and, you know, to, to try out themselves and like maybe take something from. 
And, you know, I, one of the reasons why I like this topic is because, you know, you and I both love guitar based music, but our tastes are completely different. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's really what makes such a good dynamic in terms of opening up discussion and showing each other new things. So, yeah, I suppose maybe if you want to get the ball rolling, I've, I don't know how we're going to, we, we, I definitely think, and I think you agree that we should make this a recurring topic. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about this. I thought this was a great idea. Um, it gives us the opportunity to really delve into as a kid, here's what I, here's what I really enjoyed about this as a kid. I remember going into the used CD shop and just asking like, I like guitar. What should I listen to? (laughs) You know? And what was kind of lacking in some cases was somebody who could kind of really direct like, Oh, you like guitar. You should listen to this. Now, I, there were a few recommendations, but how handy to have just like somebody kind of walk you through like, this is a great album and here's why. And that's, that's kind of what I enjoy about this. So, yeah, a musical shaman, you know, I think that really much is a, because it's, it's just that thing. I mean, like we're kind of showing our age here, but I think that the idea of someone showing you a good album, you know, an album mm. is something that's not really, you know, I have friends that are musicians that only make albums and I have friends that are musician, musicians that only do singles. Yeah. And, you know, it really is kind of, it, it has changed so much over time, probably due to our ever decreasing intention spans. Um, but I think I still like, I love a good start to finish album, you know, and I think that's, you know, in World of Guitar, there's just so many classics, one of which like I'll definitely be talking about today. Um, but I think just that idea of like somebody giving you an album at a young age and going, try mm. this and it clicking and listen yeah. to it on repeat, you know, there's, there's nothing quite like that. Um, yeah. I had a lot of um, <laughs> nostalgic gasms over the last couple of days going through, <laughs> like uh, going through albums just, just to pick. So we'll definitely do this again in the future, but yeah. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So, all right. First album here, and I'm going to go ahead and just introduce the album, give a little bit of background on it, and then we'll walk through. We've each got two clips from two albums. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to talk about. uh, So I do want to be swift in my overview. But this first album I picked was Joe Satriani's Surfing with the Alien. Okay. This is a landmark album for particularly instrumental rock guitar music. Like this changed everything really. Like it, it, there were a few things uh, before this, a lot of it was more fusion. We'll get into that later. Um, But in a handful, handful of uh, other players, people like Ingve out there trying to do their thing. But this, when this album came out, it really changed the way people thought about instrumental guitar it changed the way people approached the thing this this album came out in 1987 oh okay uh yeah well cool story about this it was recorded with only thirteen thousand dollars whoa right that's crazy (laughs) so i mean and think about that like today it's so easy even with all the home studios and all the other stuff you have in order to record and produce an, an an album like you could still easily outdo thirteen thousand dollars. Oh, easily. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And especially if you have to hire musicians, which is exactly what Joe Satriani had to do. Um you've got 10 tracks on this album, and most of it, interestingly enough, was actually programmed. The drum pro the drums were programmed with Jeff Campitelli coming in and playing on one track. And the really? uh 
and then adding like hi-hats, cymbals, toms, and snares, fills, things like that. So he had a few overdubs that he would come in and do, but it was almost entirely on that. Joe played bass on most of these tracks as well in order to save money and time. Um, you know, he was in the studio ready to just like nail stuff straight ahead. Um, whether it was practiced or he was improvising, it was a lot of one to three takes on tracks and then we're done and moving forward. Whoa. So, yeah. Wonder, real, this is like after he was teaching Steve Vai, right? You know, that's yes, the whole, yeah. it was. So in 86 was his first album, Not of This Earth, um, which is fine if you're a Joe Satriani fan, grab it. Otherwise, like this is definitely that a much better album and it's the thing that really launches him into everybody else's kind of awareness and one of these big tracks that i think is worth listening to it's one of the ones that jeff campitelli played it's actually the only one he played the entire track on for drums it's called satch boogie so if you want to pull that up real quick you will hear exactly what i'm on about on it okay let's go that takes me back <laughs> you're right yeah, yeah. so what's kind of cool about this this does sort of uh reach back kind of give you a sense of satriani's blues roots um mm, it but, is very bluesy actually yeah yeah well i mean and it's appropriately titled boogie right so it, it is a boogie a boogie is a it's blues a yeah swung blues form um and or feel rather but this is a great example of it but it's just way up tempo it's fun mm. to listen to um and then what you heard there was essentially kind of the main theme going into the first solo classic satriani stuff use of the whammy bar where he's pulling up on that floyd rose and then he's got all kinds of other crazy techniques that he's bringing in there just the little outro of that that main lick kind of the little variations on it there's a little bit of palm muting interspersed with uh the the letting the strings ring out so there's a lot of minutia that he's really bringing into that technique which just sounds great mm. um so there's a lot of little things going on in this track it's a throwback to kind of his roots but at the same time which he'll revisit in later albums but at the same time kind of plays a little bit outside of just say like a blues scale and yeah. he's he's just ripping on it too so it's something else uh, one of the reasons why I think it's, and it's just an easy song to get into, an easy one to listen to. It's fun. It blows so your mind yeah. in terms of guitar uh, oriented stuff. And it's just, and that's why I think it's, it's a great one to get into if you're first trying to explore some of these instrumental albums, because a lot of them can be a little heady. Um, mm. And sometimes you might feel like they're repetitive or you can't track where things are going. 
this theme keeps coming back throughout the song. So he just keeps, you know, he keeps bringing, bringing you back to the A section so that you're able to wrap your head around where you're yeah, going with yeah, it yeah. without having to know a bunch of music theory or really like dial into what the, what's happening with the chords. So um, that's why I think this, this track is a good representation of what he does. But when we go to the next one, cause we always think of, Satriani is just being the shred guy and when you hear mm -hmm. that you're like oh yeah he's just a monster player and I get lost after a little bit but this next track which is one you'll definitely recognize I I know what it is already <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh is a great example of how he constructs a melody inside that a section it's also a great example of him playing around with his uh with modal ideas and mm. because to give you a heads up here what we're hearing or what we're going to hear rather is going to be as he walks through these chords, he is kind of teasing somewhere between the idea of like, is it E major or is it E Lydian? And he's mm -hmm. using these X, these awesome chord extensions where he's got an 11 and a 13 and all this stuff on top of it. So hooray for music theory, but it doesn't sound overly yeah, complex. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, you, you don't, you don't need, a degree in music theory to to appreciate what's going on and understand it but when you dial it in it sounds really great um so when we listen to this you'll notice that it's not until much later that he kind of finally lands on this idea of okay here's that a sharp that you've been wondering is it <laughs> going to be an a natural or an a sharp he puts it in there over that E chord. And now you're like, Oh, we're in Lydian here. And that makes sense. And you can kind of hear him hinting at it the whole time, but he finally gets into it and it sounds, sounds fantastic. So um, little melodic ideas. Those are the key things to listen for. Cause he does kind of keep playing on that and phrasing. This is a great one for phrasing. When I'm talking about phrasing with students, you always want to think about sentences, pause, mm -hmm. take a breath, and let that hang in the air a little bit. So let's give this one a listen. Okay, can't wait. Yeah, I, I totally see what you mean in terms of like the phrasing and leaving certain notes ring out longer than others and just for it to kind of like very much speak for itself. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's funny if you are doing any videos or like if you're looking up what is the Lydian mode, this is always one of the main examples that's used, whether it's like a guitar magazine or otherwise, it's like this is yeah. like really effective use of implementing your modes and knowing your theory and knowing how to use them. And yeah, Satch is like that. I, I do love this song. I mean, it's so 80s. It's just the tone. <laughs> it's true. It's like, is, is that a fretless bass? It might as well be. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, it, it, it's cool. Like I, Satch is one that... I don't know, like he's he's still going, you know? And I think one of the things that kind of put me off him as a player was he full bottom off at it and just put his name on so much stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he he turned his illustrations into guitar straps, you know? And yeah. like, it was just like, oh man, it was a bit corny, but you know, 
when you bring it back to like, this is why he's so recognized and respected. Like you really can't fault this stuff for being what it is and for being really tasteful as opposed to just being shred for shred's sake. Yeah. Now, was this an album that you had really thought much about? Um, um, well, when I started playing guitar, you know, you, you do notice names coming up in lists all the time. And like, you know, I started listening to music properly, you know, the early 2000s when you still had to buy albums. You know? mm-hmm. And let's just say that not a lot of people in um, early 2000s Limerick City were really into their shred guitar. <laughs> so this was me like downloading random tracks off of LimeWire and ruining my family computer. And, you know, just like, you know, just destroying it all right. and for the sake of listening to Midnight and trying to learn it really badly. And <laughs> yeah. that was one that like, if you could play that, that was like when you, when you were a teenager, Midnight by Joe Satriani was like the song, you know, right. to, get, to get the girls. Um, not me though. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, I definitely was like, I knew who he was. And I, I remember like, it was one of those things that's, I'm actually going to come back to this again, but it was one of those things I heard on like a total guitar instructional CD that came free with a magazine. Satch Boogie was, and I was like, this is incredible. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And there's some great live performances of him doing it as well. Like it's, 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 it's a great song that, that in particular. And Surfing with the Alien is like, it's, there's a reason it's so well regarded. It's for all the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So let's jump into your first album. You okay, give us cool. a little intro on it. Yeah, okay. How am I going to do this? Because um, you, you're so well uh, prepared. So, yeah, I suppose um, this... Okay, so <laughs> I suppose in my eyes, um, this is like, never mind by Nirvana got me into music, but this album got me into like what guitar could do within the similar genre. It's basically like, never mind was my stepping stone to this album. So... Uh, I'm just going to say it. It was, uh, this is Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins. And this nice. is like, yeah, which is, you know, 1993. And my dad gave it to me for, as like a Christmas present. And like, because it was one of his favorite albums in the early 90s, you know, he would have been about 26, 27 at the time that it came out. And, and this was just, a double album too, right? Uh, Siamese Dream wasn't. Now, Siamese okay. Dream was a very long album. It's a clock's in it just over an hour. But this is the one, essentially, they did Geesh, which is their first album, which I really, really enjoy and highly recommend i think it's very underrated and um, but this is the one that came after basically they, they did geesh and then grunge exploded and then they were like oh these guys are the new nirvana and then they recorded this and like mm. this is after like billy corgan had a massive nervous breakdown the drummer jimmy chamberlain got addicted to heroin the bass player and the guitar player were in a relationship and they broke up and it was like what are we going to do so it was like billy corgan just threw himself into this album with butch vig who like you know garbage drummer really good as in he played drummer for the band garbage not <laughs> um, not, not being yeah. a bad drummer yeah exactly and he produced Nevermind and he produced loads of like big albums around this time and I have a really soft spot for Butchvig he seems like a really uh, decent guy um, but yeah I suppose it really got me interested in like the idea of like the wall of sound of guitar and like the whole the idea of the um, tormented genius but the thing is this guy just plays old rock and was raised on Eddie Van Halen and, you know, throwing loads of stuff into the mix and creating these just big like walls of guitar. So I suppose if you want to go for the first, this is how the album opens. So if you want to listen to it, this is maybe a bit of a longer clip, but just in terms of like the build and the layering and how considered everything is, it's one of the best album openers I've ever heard. So if you want to listen to the first song, Cherub Rock there. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So are you familiar with the pumpkins at all? I mean, loosely. So I remember this song. I remember, you know, uh, what was the one that what was the album that came after this? Melancholy. And the yeah, Infinity. which that is, huge. yeah, a huge album. Very much more commercial than this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But this, this has... Is the sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. So you can you can hear the influence of people like Jay Masquez on the guitar tone, you know, and just like how fuzzy everything is, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I have such a hard time with fuzz but this is a perfect example of how to use it. It, this is, it just sounds massive. It's yeah. huge and it's yeah. fantastic. Those octaves, you know, like all of that sounds so much bigger, especially when you throw that fuzz on there. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean like the, 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 the cover of this album should just be the big muff pedal. <laughs> it is just <laughs> all over this and it's just, it, but that's the thing. It is like that, you know, it's, it's, mask is 2.0 in terms of like really harnessing what the effect is about yeah. using it tastefully and the thing is like the pumpkins were like aggressive and very like bleak in terms of their lyrics but they weren't like screamers they weren't like cobain or um like allison chains mm-hmm. like, it was all very Chris like Cornell. yeah yeah you know it wasn't very it was all very like emotive but it just kind of really fitted together in a way that it, you know if you look at the the separate parts you've got a jazz drummer you've got this like weird um van halen obsessed like introverted guitar you know lead singer slash guitarist and you've mm-hmm. got like this really hot girl bass player and then like the really cool asian american guitarist and it's just like you know four misfits apparently essentially and it shouldn't really work but it does and i think like one of the reasons why it does work is because of corgan's work ethic like he basically went in and recorded everything but the drums like he re-recorded wow. all the other members parts you know when he was doing like 16 hour days everything was recorded analog just like really harnessing the gear and all on tape like it's just it's just and it's the thing is like people are like it's so alt that it's progressive like it, like there are like six or seven minute long songs on this and as demonstrated in the next clip that i'm going to play um the when he gets a chance to kind of solo and kind of just let rip he just it, it kind of takes it to a new level and i remember listening to this like in secondary school just being like what is he doing i'll never be able to play this fast now i realize like what he's doing it's just very much like uh, pentatonic licks just like played yeah. at an extremely high f- but like that wasn't a thing in grunge like you know the solo the nirvana solos are really simple mm-hmm. um you know i think you know Alison James has the kind of blues influence. Soundgarden is like the weird time signatures. But with this, it's like really like emotive guitar playing. So if you want to mm. listen to this, um, the next clip, it's from the song Geek USA. And that was, yeah, so that's not Billy Corgan, though, is it? Yeah, it's all about every, everything is Billy Corgan. And that's Billy, the thing. Like, wow, I had no idea he could play guitar like that. I know. And that's the thing. Like, he, he should, because as a front man, I think it really, for me, as a, like, a guy who loves front men who can really play, he mm. was just like, you know, he was like, 
Cobain, like he was like that Mascus thing. Like Mascus can really play, yeah. Um, and it's it's like Ma- Jay Mascus is from Dinosaur Junior. If anybody doesn't know, great band, you should check them out. Their album "You're Living All Over Me" is a masterpiece. We'll um, talk about that one on another one of these episodes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I was yeah. already <laughs> thinking about it, but because you were going to do an alt band, I was like, eh, I'll leave Dinosaur like Junior for another one. So anyway, cool, cool, cool. Um, no, but anyway, I, I just I love this album from start to finish. It's like uh, there is not a bad song on there, and I really recommend it for people who want to kind of go back to that early 90s alt period but don't really know where to go after Nevermind or mm. uh, you know 10 by Pearl Jam which I love and has some great solos on it but I think just this does this ticks all my boxes nice. so to speak so your next choice okay so this album is uh, Casino by Aldi Miola so <laughs> now it, most people are gonna look at when you're starting with Aldi Miola, a lot of people usually want to start with Elegant Gypsy, which is fine. It's got Race with the Devil on a Spanish Highway, which is a really well-known tune. You'd probably, if you're into guitar music, you've probably heard it in passing somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and Elegant Gypsy was his first album out of after leaving Chick Corea's Return to Forever. So a little background on Aldi Miola, because a lot of people might know the name, but don't know anything about him. So he went to the Berklee School of Music before it was really that big of a deal, to be perfectly honest. Um, he graduated and at 19, or I guess he didn't graduate. He went there, and then at 19, he got a gig with Chick Corea. Now, if you don't know who Chick Corea is, Chick Corea is a piano slash keyboard player. Chick Corea was kind of a a big player in building this idea of jazz fusion. So fusion was kind of this thing that's sort of between jazz and rock or jazz and progressive rock or whatever. It can kind of be a lot of different things. It's sort of the stew of jazz. Um, And, but to be in Chick Corea's band, Chick Corea is a very demanding performer and composer, Uh, writes his parts very intently still giving his musicians room to play but if the head says that you're playing 30 second notes like by god you better be playing 30 second notes you know so that's kind of where aldi miola cut his teeth starting at 19 which is crazy like that's how good this guy is Mm. and then after elegant gypsy the song um race with the devil on a spanish highway kind of launched him a little bit into the guitar world more outside of, cause it has kind of more of a hard rock vibe to it um, outside of just the fusion world. So now he's in between this kind of rock and fusion. However, Casino, I, this for me was really my introduction to Aldi Miola outside of Race with the Devil. So being able to go through this and listen to it, you get a lot of the, the key elements of who Al Miola is as a player and why he's influential on so many other people. And we'll talk about that after we listen to this first clip.
is <laughs> that is so much going on there. Goodness gracious. And, okay. So yeah. this tune is Egyptian Danza. It's the first one on the album. Uh, the album was released in 78. This is using the harmonic minor scale, F sharp harmonic minor. Um, and it kind of gives it that, you know, sort of mysterious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so to hear somebody like Ingve Malmsteen say, you know, that he has no influences. <laughs> um, oh, it's a little bit ridiculous. This is um, because there's a lot of little techniques in here that translate over into a lot of players that we're probably more familiar with. Uh, John Petrucci. John Petrucci, for example, has stated he's a huge fan of Aldi Miola. Aldi Miola is the guy who kind of helped him dial in his playing you hear the palm muted thing this is a real trademark yeah Yeah. particularly on the higher strings so it's a Mm. real trademark of kind of how he plays how he emphasizes his lines he gets a little bit of flack because some people say you can hide the sloppy if you're palm muting everything on your Ah, (laughs) but yeah like i mean we're we're kind of nitpicking at that point right so yeah for real so this is just a great example of uh, that idea of fusion as well. So Aldi Miel is still kind of carrying this and here's not just a harmonic minor scale because you can kind of tie that into like, like I said, Ingve, neoclassical, that sort of thing. But here he's taking it, trying to create a different vibe, kind of that, as we said, I mean, it's called Egyptian Danza. It's supposed to be this kind of Middle Eastern style dance. Um, yeah. And so let's go ahead and take a listen to the next one. Cool. You have piqued my interest. year is this album john 78 okay wow yeah i was trying to like because i heard the the phaser on the drums and i'm like is this kiss (laughs) (laughs) but i uh no it's got such an interesting sound to it i think in terms of like particularly the guitar sound Mm -hmm. like it's just a real it sticks out yeah so he's a he's a big les paul fan like has he played other things yeah but um and then at the time too he was one of the big proponents of the ovations and you can hear it on the fantasia suite for two guitars sometime to to the song's detriment to be honest um because i'm not a fan of ovations i hate no how they sound. they're disgusting um and look they're hideous yeah <laughs> and you can't sit down and play them because they slide off of your lap because of the stupid rounded back. I hate it. Anyway, <laughs> so Same page. Um, sorry to anybody I know out there that has an ovation that is listening. This isn't 2005. This. Nobody plays ovations anymore. <laughs> but I can picture Aldi Miola with one of them, actually, now that you mention it. That's yeah. Like, yeah. That's Sick. not an uncommon thing. So, um, 
but yeah, both of these tunes, I think what I really enjoy about Casino is that intro. It's just, it's kind of, it's really forceful. That dum da 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 you know, lots of triplets. And then he's got that burst of speed right in there in the head. Uh, yeah, so the head, just, just to clarify, if you're uh, unfamiliar with these terms, it's kind of a jazz term for just what would normally be referred to as the A section or the main melody oh, or the verse okay. or something like that. So cool. I have no uh, idea. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Um, so we can hear that doom, and then he just has that real fast as he kind of goes through yeah, this. Yeah. Um, it's actually... And for me, Al Di Miola was really influential as well, partly because of his influence on John Petrucci. Uh, mm. When I discovered Petrucci... Definitely hear that actually with the, the triplet, the, sorry, the sextuplets and the, yeah, that's, I can totally hear that influence now. And the palm mute stuff too. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. as much as Petrucci will palm mute those melody lines and those lead lines a lot as well. And this is where that comes from. Um, the theory on it too, because... Aldi Mule is coming from this jazz background really influences a lot of players after him, similar to John Petrucci and, and expands that horizon, expands the vocabulary a little bit. And it's hard to kind of underestimate the impact he has on a lot of these other players. And it's not something that outside of Petrucci, I don't know how many other people talk about it a lot, but mm. he's one of those, you know, people who's famous in guitar circles for being kind of the grandfather of a lot of these things. Yeah. Very and, highly regarded. Yeah. So not necessarily as much as like the critics favorite, but definitely the guy who influences all of these other guys. Um, so that's part of the reason I think that's, that's important. And this album showcases a little bit more while Elegant Gypsy is a great album. I think this, this I chose this one because this is the one that really got me into Aldi Miola. Um, it was one that I learned a couple of licks from just because they're actually in some of his books. Aldi Miola uh, has a couple of books. And of course it is. <laughs> on his picking tutorial, this is one of them. So Aldi Miola, so you know, is a very big alternate picking, like alternate pick everything as much as possible mm. player. And that's something that Petrucci picked up and a lot of the Petrucci disciples after him, you know, picked up as well. And all of this, the real concept of that alternate picking as much as possible comes from Aldi Miola. No, the technique like that, even it's weird. It, that, that last one really sounded like it almost sounded like a, like a warm up. Mm. like you know i could see that but like but in a very musical way like it worked with the rest of the instruments it's, it really did did um it played its part it didn't, wasn't just like <laughs> the spider <Yeah>. exercise <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go no i i really like them and i'm actually gonna i am gonna check that out because like fusion is something i've been curious about but it, this sounds like a good kind of gateway because i'm like i don't hate this <laughs> some of it is admittedly uh, not this album but fusion stuff can be really hard to listen to oh yeah so no. yeah. i've tried frank gambale and i just can't uh, <laughs> yeah and just because you can sweep doesn't mean you should sweep if you take anything yeah. from this episode just say that it um, just means you need to get rid of more thetans there Oh. So <laughs> he's a Scientologist. No, I don't know if you knew oh that. Oh my yeah. God, I did not know that. Yeah. All right, that's another. We'll save that for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all. We're, I'm learning so much this episode. Um, cool. I, I will. If if you're cool, I will move on to my yeah. next choice. 
Um, so this is, uh, so when I started playing guitar, um, I had two resources to learn because YouTube wasn't really a thing yet showing my age. And they were um, Ultimate Guitar, the, the, the website for tabs, very usually quite incorrect tabs. And um, a magazine, <laughs> yeah, and a magazine called Ultimate, sorry, called Total Guitar. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, which was, you know, back in the day, I still to this day think is a very, very good guitar magazine. Um, just, you know, for beginners, I think it's, it makes things very accessible. The articles are really interesting. They used to do a lot of listicles, which, you know, I really digged. Um, and I remember getting one of the first ones I got uh, had this song. And I'm actually just, I'm not even going to say what the song is. I'm just going to say, I heard the song on that. I had no idea who the band was. I just heard this song because it was one of the play alongs. And I was like, what is this? I need to learn this. This is, this makes me want to like pick up a guitar right away and buy like, buy a, <laughs> buy a Marshall. So yeah, if you want to go for my clip and then we can discuss. Okay, here we go. Oh man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Of course, I of mean, course. Yeah. Okay. I have so much to say, but I'm. I shan't. Like a lot of what I'm about to say has been said more eloquently by a lot of people before me. But like, when you say that, you know, there's a joke that once you've heard, if you've heard one ACDC album, you've heard them all. I think that's like that does not count for Back in Black. Back in Black no. is one of my favorite guitar albums of all time. Ten songs, clocks in around. 35 to 40 minutes um, and it's one of the biggest selling albums of all time like 30 million albums I think sold and it's just like balls to the wall like just rock you know and yeah. I mean like I still love it I still adore this album because the guitar playing is just so so what I really like about this album and the title track in particular that I just played for you there is um, it's simple, but it's not easy to play. Like it's really like it is. Mm -hmm. There, it's very hard to make a guitar sound like Angus Young makes a guitar, or Malcolm, you know. And you know, we've talked. I think one of the first, my first ever licks of the week was from the album before this, and um, for the track "Beating Around the Bush." Uh, from Highway to Hell, which is like, you know, it's just, we, we talked about ACDC then, we haven't talked much about them since, but like when I was playing, when I heard this, I was just like, this is just such swagger. And it's just like a four on the floor drum beat. And it's just what's done. There is space, there is, uh, it's just like, it's just really good rhythm playing and like the solos. So I want to talk about the solos for a minute. I think that one of the good things about, AC about Angus Young as a soloist is he, first of all, he hates Clapton, which is like a big green tick in my book. <laughs> but he is so like, you know, he's a massive Chuck Berry fan and that kind of comes into what he does. But every solo he does, he, it's like he tells a story. And I think that I'm going to play now the solo to Hell's Bells. And it just, there's a real build. There's a real, like, it's blues rock. It's the same techniques over and over again. But I really like how it evolves. And I think one of the reasons it works so well is not because of what Angus does, but what Malcolm does underneath it. Mm. You know, there's this whole thing is like, oh, you just play the solo over the main riff. ACDC rarely did that. Like, if you listen to songs like You Shook Me All Night Long or like, you know, Shoot to Thrill, when the solo is doing something, rhythm guitar is doing something just as interesting but it's just like i don't know it's just come everything is complementing everything else the drumming is like really simple but 
once again hard to play right and yeah so maybe if we'll have a listen to the the hell's bell solo and you can give me your thoughts I love it, man. I mean, like first track on the album. I mean, this was recorded with Brian Johnson as a vocalist. It was his first album with them. Who he joined, like six weeks after Bon Scott died. <laughs> like yeah. the band were like, we have to keep going, and like what a what a debut in terms of like this is our band. We're doing it again with a new lead singer. Um, yeah, sorry, I've been prattling along. Please, ACDC, Back in Black, thoughts? Yeah, uh, I mean, you mentioned uh the the angus and malcolm combo like this is again going back to what we were saying about the beatles like i i don't think this band works without those two guys and the way they they play together um i always talk about thunderstruck which is not on this album but what's interesting about that song in particular is it's like honestly it's easier to play the lead part than it is the rhythm part on that song and that's something that i you mean the rhythm part is harder to play Mm -hmm. yes yeah absolutely yeah yeah the 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 rhythm part is harder to play just because it's it requires a better knowledge of rhythm and syncopation and how to strum and all these other things than just kind of bouncing up and down on one string um And and not to take anything away from Angus on that too. And so when you listen to something like this, you realize like those hits, the timing on those hits that you have, which you don't really have a lot of before this, correct me if I'm wrong on that with ACDC, like those big hits aren't really what they're kind of known for no, leading up to this. And no. so that just drives home what's going on with the solo. It's the, the rhythm section, just driving those hits and then, Angus is kind of floating on the top there and bringing in those lead licks. And it's just like you said, it's a blues rock and this is not your typical ACDC album. No, it's not. I think it really is like the show. Like I love Highway to Hell, but this is the one I kind of keep on coming back to just for, in terms of like the production's really good. Like it's Mutt Lang and mm. it's like, you know, recorded apparently under terrible conditions. They went to the Bahamas and it was just thunderstorms the whole time. And like, they kept on thought, thinking that their gear was going to get robbed. And, you know, it was just like this really, it just resulted in something that's so, I don't know, just still holds up so well, you know? Yeah. And the thing is like ACDC has like a million like both <laughs> both tribute bands and bands that are playing original music but it's basically acdc and mm-hmm. um, looking at you jet and <laughs> it's just i don't know i just I, this one just has a really special place in my heart i think it's like as a guitar player if you were to sit down and learn it it doesn't matter what level you're at you're going to get something from it and mm-hmm. um, if you were to sit down with the tab book so uh yeah, yeah. i i back in black can't really say anything else that hasn't been said before and um, cool so we have started 
with our we've basically been doing these episodes we've kind of redone the format so we've been talking about what we've been working on um before so i suppose john have you been working on anything i know you've been going through a massive shift yeah <laughs> it's been uh, it's been busy but it's been nice to just kind of practice things without necessarily a particular uh need to practice things does that make any sense so yes um, the obligation yeah, uh, I did a wedding a little while back, which was great. Really enjoyed that. That was just because it was a friend. Um, but other than that, just kind of, I've got that Chris Zupa book, which is loaded with exercises that um, just trying to go through that and find different ways to apply them and to start thinking about I, what I really want to start doing is start thinking about writing again. So that's kind of where my head's at, but I'm starting with just getting the chops to where I want them to be. So maybe I can do some writing. So. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I've been. You've been moving house and moving major house. shift in terms of job and life and all that. So mm. I don't know how, have you had much time to practice? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like, so I suppose this will feed this into our next section is like, what's our one guitar related thing. So I haven't had a lot of time to like, you know, my gear is in storage and I, you know, I have an acoustic um, where I've like really one, you know, up until the last month I've been very much like working on my electric stuff and mm-hmm. you know back on the acoustic now and one thing my one thing that I'm going to relate to the guitar related thing that I've been digging is friend of the show who will hopefully have back on soon Eric Haugen and yeah. um, has a you know his YouTube channel is great and it's great for like picking random videos but he has designed I think he's up to 12 or 13 parts now a music theory for guitarists basically series of lessons nice. and it's really good because there are certain things like I'm only on lesson four or five and I'm actually learning so much in terms of minor chord structures because it's something you learn about the major chords and the one four mm. fives and everything but when it comes to minor chords the information is not so not so omnipresent I suppose yeah so um he's broken down a lot of stuff and taught me like you know just from doing the series as a like you know what I would you know consider myself to be like an intermediate player I think it's really really good resource and so yeah I really really we um we we've had him on the show before it was great like he's got such a zen approach to guitar teaching Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite quotes from him he's talking about the you know the seventh chord in the major scale is the minor seven flat five and he's like just because it has a long name doesn't mean it has to be scary it's like philip seymour hoffman everybody loves philip seymour hoffman long name don't be scared of it and i'm just like i I love that um i am afraid of philip seymour hoffman though i know i'm not sure that helps Mission impossible three yeah i know he did the same effect on me great great villain and so john what is your if you had one thing to recommend guitar related to our listeners what would it be oh, this week yeah so you and maddie uh kind of turned me on to this guy pat finnery oh. so pat finnery <laughs> does a series kind of a a tongue-in-cheek jab at beato's uh what makes the song great he's got what makes the song stink um he's a fantastic guitar player based out of philadelphia but also kind of humorous his editing is kind of bonkers just to put He's it out hilarious there. but yeah. uh it's it's definitely worth looking at just because he he does a similar thing to rick beato where but he kind of breaks down the song but he tells you why this song is actually terrible um which is kind of funny you know and it's a lot of the songs we all hate things like uh all summer long by what's his face uh what is his name? I can't even think of his name. Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Yeah, yeah, what an awful song for so <laughs> many reasons. 
And then and he goes uh, through them all. And then he had the uh, the stop this train where he covered or went over Soul Sister. Like, oh, yeah. There are a few I, songs I hate as much as that song. Uh, so I'm okay. right, right. I am riding the stop this train train. Stop the yeah. train. Stop the train train. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Pat Finnerty, he's he's fantastic. A friend of mine sent him to me. And I think I've watched every one of his videos about three or four times now. He just has such yeah. a quick wit. And he knows the stuff as well. Like he has yeah. guests like Justin Hawkins and other um like big players on. Uh, mm. he has like a, a um Dave Grohl is on some of his he does these Instagram live streams and they're like they're just really really good so the pat finnerty show on instagram and pat finnerty on youtube highly recommend yeah and um, if you keep your eyes peeled in the latest video about train um i make a, an appearance at the end <laughs> um so yeah uh i suppose we'll leave it at that john we're just talking in it over an hour friends thank you so much for uh, listening for supporting um for subscribing on the social medias we really appreciate it um yeah we have merch on teespring which is available in our instagram bio and we would do a website if it meant anything but we you know there's no real no real point right now <laughs> and yeah look us up if you have any requests for topics or want to get in touch and um, we are sharpen that x at gmail.com and yeah the best thing you can do honestly is tell a friend or to leave a review those are what help us out the most in terms of like being able to reach new people and yeah it's free you can do it on your phone in app and um, if you're listening on apple podcasts or on your um, player fm or stitcher any of those apps you can leave a review we really appreciate it five stars please <laughs> not just any review um but yeah we're, we've got some fun uh episodes coming up we're going to talk about a bit more about genres pedals as always john's going to do a deep dive into building speed um on the guitar uh, i should this name um which i'm very and <laughs> not um yeah, so I, I suppose that's it. I'm running out of words. John, have you anything else to say? Uh, no, just definitely appreciates. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, I, got I love nothing. doing this. Yeah. I love yeah. doing this. And I love being able to catch up with my friend who is so very far away. Um, so yeah, we will see you next week with a mini episode before. Uh, yeah, and you know, if you gave us a like on Instagram, that'd be great. Um, that We really appreciate that. Like and a follow. Um, I'm trying to push more content there. Um, cool. I got to go catch a bus because you know, I'm going for birthday drinks. But uh, we will talk to you uh, very soon, this time next week, hopefully. And uh, stay sharp, everybody. <laughs>